thank you, Wayne, for that word. We are vessels, and the thing about it, the vessel is filled with the Spirit. And as we go about our day and our week, we are filled with the Spirit. That's a great word. Thank you. We are continuing to teach through Isaiah. We're in chapter 49 this morning. 49, that follows 48. In case, in case you wonder where it was. You know, Isaiah is a love story. Uh, it's a love story of God and those who were his foe, those were his friends, those who turned their back on him. He relentlessly pursues those whom he loves. And this morning he's relentlessly pursuing you because he loves you, each and every one of you this morning, constantly pursuing. And though Israel continued to turn their back and then come back to him and say, yes, we love you, we love you, and then turn their back, and then the same cycle over and over again, God still says, I love you. And that's what Isaiah is. It's just a love story that shows how much God loves his people, how patient he is with his people. And chapter 49 brings us to this person called the servant. And we've talked about that there are servants mentioned in the book of Isaiah. There's Cyrus the Great, this great leader that was coming prophesied 160 years later this was written 160 years before he before Cyrus showed up on the scene there's Jesus the servant we're going to look at that in just a minute there's Israel who is a servant and then there's you and I who are servants and Jesus Jesus said I have come to serve not be served that's the ultimate life principle that's the ultimate life goal for all of us who name the name of Jesus Christ is to serve and not be served Right? That's what Jesus said. I have come to serve, not be served. Any other king, any other president, any other pope, any other person in the world who's come in leadership that we can see around the world has come to be served. Y'all serve me. Y'all serve me. But Jesus said, no, I'm king of kings and I'm lord of lords, but I've come to serve. And so we think about servants. We are servants. We think about Jesus and Cyrus. And we think about Israel being a servant. And in chapter 49, verse 1, it says, Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my birth, he has made mention of my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. But I have said I have labored to no purpose. I've spent my strength in vain and for nothing. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand. And my reward is with my God. Now, once again, God speaks in layers. I was talking to Dean this morning about this very same thing. You can read one scripture and you can write out a paragraph of what God taught you in that scripture. And then you can go back that same night and read that same verse again and write a whole other paragraph of what God speaks to you. God's word is alive and powerful and active. And, and there's layers, and we find layers here. This, this scripture could be about you. This scripture could be about Israel. It could be about Jesus or Cyrus. Let's take a look at the first few verses. It says, before I was born, the Lord called me. Jeremiah chapter 1, 5. He says, when I was in the womb, God called me. Before I was fashioned in the womb, God called me. Each one of us, each one of you, are called by God before you were ever created in the womb. Did you know that? Each one of you were already called by God before you were even created, before you were conceived in the womb. God called you to a task. 
He has, he has works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. And he prepared those before we were ever conceived. I saw this meme on Facebook yesterday. It was beautiful. Never really thought about it till I saw the picture the way it was. But it had, <clears throat> it had the image of a grandmother, right? And inside the grandmother, it had an image of a baby. She was carrying a child. And inside of that, there was the ovaries, right? Inside the mother. And it was saying, you are here. You are here. So when a, when a mom is inside a grandmom, there's already, you are already present because the eggs are already there. It's just a beautiful picture of how, of how God relates to us, that God's already got it planned. He's already got fashion before we were even born. He says, I've called you. When Jesus was a child, he began reading Isaiah. He searched the scripture to find out what his calling was. And that's why he was able to stand in the temple and debate with the, 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 the leaders who were there, the rabbis who were there. He debated with great skill because he had read the scripture. He said, now I am called. I am called. And he pointed to Isaiah and said, this is God's calling on my life. He knew God's call. I hope that you've discovered God's call in your life. It's not to be a preacher. It's not to be a missionary. It's not to be a banker or a teller or a person who does coding. Although those things are all important. The, the calling, the deep, deep calling of all of us is to be like Jesus Christ. That's the deep, deep calling we all have. We may have jobs where we can express that deep calling, right? We may have jobs where we express that deep calling, but the deep calling of God on your life is to become like Jesus Christ in everything you say and everything you do. <clears throat> For my birth, he has made mention of my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. He's made mention of my name. It says in the book of Revelation that we have a new name written down. God calls you by your new name. Your parents may have given you a name. And that may be the name you have in heaven. But if it wasn't the name that's in heaven and your parents called you something, whatever it is, right? God says, I've got a new name for you. And God calls us by our new name. For my birth, you made mention of my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me like a polished arrow. Now we know that Jesus, <clears throat> it says in Revelation 1.16, that Jesus... The word that came out of his mouth was like a sharpened sword. We know in Hebrews 4.12 it says the word of God is sharp and powerful. Sharper than a two-edged sword. Able to divide apart between good and the bad. Right? We know that Jesus has a sharpened sword in his mouth. He hid me in the shadow of his hand. He I was like a polished arrow concealed in his quiver. He said to me, you're my servant, Israel. You could put your name in there for just a moment. He said to me, you are my servant, Jim, in whom I will display my splendor. It's just what Wayne said earlier. We're all vessels carrying the Holy Spirit around. We're jars of clay with the King of kings and Lord of lords, God Almighty himself, dwelling within us wherever we go. You are my servant, Jim, in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, I've labored. I have labored to no purpose. I have spent my strength in vain for nothing. In other words, I've been trying, I've been trying, I've been trying to advance the kingdom i've been trying to share jesus with people i've done what i could yet what is due me is in the lord's hand and my reward is with my god god says don't grow weary in well-doing for in due time you shall reap right if you don't faint that's what god said god says just keep being like jesus just keep being like jesus and what you say and what you do and in due time the reward will be with you and now the lord says 
He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and gather Israel to himself, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. He says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob, and to bring back those of Israel I have kept. Now watch this. God is saying to Jesus, he's speaking to Jesus here, he's saying, it's too small for you just to bring Israel back. I've got bigger plans for you than that. God would speak that into our lives too. Whatever bigger is, that's his category, not mine. But look what he says. It's too small a thing for you just to bring Israel back. Look, watch this. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles. That's you folks sitting out here this morning. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Thank you, God, yes. Thank you, God, yes. This is the gospel in Isaiah. This is the gospel in the Old Testament. Do you see that? We think about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ just being in the New Testament. And certainly the New Testament is filled with, with the good news of Christ. But we can find it concealed and hidden in the, one of these layers Right here in the Old Testament. God had spoken to Jesus already and said, I called you to be a light to the Gentiles. Now, you're either a Jewish person or you're a Gentile. The two groups as far as God is concerned. And he says, I'm already preparing. I'm already preparing. Hundreds of years before Christ comes. I'm already preparing to send someone to be a light to the Gentiles. Thank you, Jesus. This is what the Lord says, the Redeemer and Holy One of Israel. That word redeemer is a good word to meditate on sometime of who God is. It's an amazing word. I don't have time for it this morning. But maybe you can spend some time this week thinking about it. To him who is despised and abhorred by nations, to the servant of rulers, kings will see you and rise up, and princes will see you and bow down. Because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. And we know in Philippians 2 it says, Every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. This is what the Lord says. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. In the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people to restore the land. And to reassign the desolate inheritances. To say to the captives, come out. And to those in darkness, be free. Jesus read this. This is what he said he was here for. He said, it's for freedom I have set you free. Right? He read this. He knew this about himself. They will feed beside the roads and find pasture on every barren hill. They will neither hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat upon them. Jesus said, you're not going to be hungry because I'm the bread of life. You're not going to be thirsty because I'm the water of life. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. Isn't that what Jesus said? And that what the psalmist said, he, he leads me beside still waters. And that what Matthew said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 38, he said, and springs of water will well up within you. And that what was prophesied, promised and prophesied and fulfilled in Jesus. I will turn all my mountains into roads, and my highways will be raised up. See, they will come from afar from the north, and some from the west, and some from the region of Aswan. Shouts of joy, O heavens. Rejoice, O earth. Burst into song, O mountains. For the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. You've been afflicted this week. God will have compassion on you. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. 
In other words, Israel said, where is God? Where is God? We're, we're, we're in captivity here. Where is God? Why, why didn't he show up? And God's response is, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. We see, the, we see the motherhood of God, and I don't mean any disrespect by using that phrase, but we see God is compassionate like a mother toward us. As a matter of fact, there's another passage in the Scripture in the Psalms, I think it says God would like to gather us as a hen under His wings, right? That's a mothering instinct. God loves to nurture us. Right? That, that's, that's the nature of God in this Scripture right here. He says, can I forget you? I brought you into this world. Can I forget you? No, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. Now, I don't know how many of you have a tattoo. Uh, I, I don't have one. I'm afraid of needles. So I'm just not, not going to go there. But if I understand right, if I've read right, once you get a tattoo, it's, it used to be it was permanent. You had it. But now you can have those things taken off, right? You, you go, do what? Ish. Ish. Kind of have them taken off. Ish, right? Or you can just kind of block them out or, or, or change a letter. You know, if you were in love with so-and-so, you change a letter and it's somebody else, right? Kind of, kind of weird like that. God didn't tattoo your name on his hand so that it could be erased. He engraved it. Now, what does it sound like to engrave something? What does it sound like when you Do what? Permanent. You carve something into it, right? God said he's carved into his hand, who we are. Can you, can you see an image of Jesus with nail-scarred hands? Can you see that? The nail-scarred hands, that's you and I engraved into his hands when he died on the cross for our sins. That's powerful. It's powerful. I don't just tattoo you. I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your sons will hasten back, and those who laid waste depart from you. Lift up your eyes and look around. All your sons gather and come to you. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, you will wear them as ornaments. You will put them on like a bride. Right? In other words, you're going to rejoice that your children are going to return. Though you were ruined and made desolate, and your land laid waste, now you will be too small for your people, and those who devoured you will be far away. The children born during your bereavement will yet... Say in your hearing, this place is too small for us. Give us more space to live in. In other words, the children are going to produce more children who produce more children who produce more children. The kingdom is going to grow, and that certainly happened to God's kingdom. From the time this was prophesied, people have given their lives to Jesus. Thousands of Christians around the world, over thousands of years, have followed him faithfully and shared his love faithfully. He's saying the place is too small for us. Give us more space to live in. That should be all of our prayer that we're winning so many people to Jesus that we need more space to put them. Then you will say in your heart, who bore me these? How did they get here? I was bereaved and barren. I was exiled and rejected. Who brought these up? I was left all alone, but these, where have they come from? Where have all these people come from that are trusting in me? And this is what the Lord says about that. See, I will beckon to the Gentiles. I will lift up my banner to the people. Jehovah Nisi is the word here. I will lift up my banner, his banner over us. The, the banner 
I don't know if you watch a lot of war movies, but they always carry a banner in front, the flag bearer who charges ahead. That's what the banner is. God says, follow me. Let's go to battle. Let's, uh, let's do some work. He says, follow the banner. Follow me. Follow the flag. I will lift up my banner to the people. They will bring your sons to their arm, in their arms and carry your daughters on their shoulders. I don't know about you, but when I was little, I used to love right on daddy's shoulders. I can remember one time, if my older sister's listening to me, I told you I would get you back with this. But I can remember one time I was riding on daddy's shoulders, and as I walked by, she had climbed up on top of something, and she wanted to be on daddy's shoulder instead of me. She took a hammer and popped me in the head. <laughs> I hadn't been right since. <laughs> you want to know what's wrong with me? My older sister popped me in the head with a hammer, because okay? she wanted to be on daddy's shoulder. I don't remember what happened after that, but I guess not. <laughs> yeah, I was probably crying about it like that. <clears throat> they will carry your daughters on the shoulders. Kings will be your foster fathers, and their queens your nursing mothers. In other words, God's going to provide nursery workers for all the new people that are going to come into the kingdom. right? And it's going to be those people who didn't treat you right, now they are going to start treating you right, right? They will bow down before you with their faces to the ground. They will lick the dust at your feet. Hmm. And Jesus said something about dust. He said, if somebody won't receive you, brush the dust off your feet and keep on going, right? Here, they're going to lick, your, they're going to lick the dust at your feet. Then, 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 right? God's timing, and that what we talked about and sang about this morning? Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Can plunder be taken from warriors or captives rescued from the fierce? But this is what the Lord said. You know, we've lost the word fierce in our vocabulary as Christians. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? We, we, we tend to be meek and mild. And, and there's a place for meek and mild. But there's also a place for fierce. We see Christ being meek and mild at times, but we also see him being fierce at times. He was pretty fierce when he went in the temple and they had turned it into a bazaar and he overturned all the tables. And he was fierce when he stood there when they came to take him captives and they had all their swords drawn and they said, we're looking for Jesus. He said, right here, dude. And they all fell down face forward, scared to death because Jesus said, here, here am I. We, we need fierceness back as Christians, not meanness. There's a difference in being fierce and being mean. But we need to be fierce about the kingdom of God and sharing Jesus Christ. But this is what the Lord said. Yes, captives will be taken from warriors and plunder retrieved from the fierce. I will contend with those who contend with you. If somebody's contending with you, you need to cry out to God and say, God, I need you to contend with them because I don't know how. And if I'm supposed to contend with them, show me how, teach me how. God says, I will contend with those who contend with you and your children I will save. I'll make your oppressors eat their own flesh. You. They will be drunk on their own blood as with wine. Then, then all mankind will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior, your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Wow. What a powerful word. God is for us, not against us. God likes to nurture us. He cares about us. He cares where we are. He contends with those that contend with us. 
And at some point, way out in the future, another layer here, he's going to gather all of his children together. All of his children. All of his sons and daughters will be gathered together. In a place we call heaven, a place we call glory, eventually that will take place. That's a whole other layer that's hidden in here. And Jesus Christ made all that possible. So we're going to celebrate communion and say thank you to Jesus for making this possible. Thank you for being our rescuer, our redeemer, our savior, our mighty one. Thank you for being fierce in the face of death like he was. We thank you, Jesus, for that. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this scripture. Thank you for this great love story that we find in the book of Isaiah. How you relentlessly pursue. You relentlessly pursue us no matter where we are. Whether we're friend or foe. You pursue us because you love us. Thank you. Father, we take communion this morning to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.